I love pork. I think most chefs do. Um, whole pigs. I, I just love doing a whole pig. Cook it really low and slow overnight and then just portion that up. For me in mine, that was one of the nicest ways of doing it. We didn't worry about crispy skin and I don't know, it's probably a bit contentious on a, on a podcast called The Crackling, but I think there's a, there's a big thing about gelatinous skin that can be really good too. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Career as a chef gives you an opportunity to express yourself on the plate, to hand you a brush, easel, and allow you to apply the brush strokes to a canvas in the manner you see fit. Many have great careers running kitchens owned by others, but sometimes the chance to let go and do your own thing can change the way you approach your craft. And for Cameron Matthews, that opportunity came from the most incredible set of circumstances and a shared adversity. Cameron, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Yourself? Good. I think last time we caught up was a chat on uh, Deep in the Weeds and uh, you had some pretty big life changes leaving the Spices group and, you know, taking a new direction with with your career and you've done some amazing things since. How are you at the moment? Yeah, fantastic. Actually, really, uh, really happy and um Really excited about uh, about the future. To be honest, um, it's kind of like the first time. It feels like the start of something amazing and new again. So, so yeah, super, super stoked. Well, looking from afar, it looks like a, a new Cameron has emerged, and all these exciting sort of initiatives and um, things that you're getting your your hands on and and executing. Um, it sort of started with Winston, um, that pop up that you did in Noosa. T- tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so Winston was, um, I guess, looking back at, at my career, I'm kind of, you know, I've been been doing this for a long time now, um, I think 33 years in November, so, you know, I'm getting a bit long in the tooth. Um, but Winston was, um, you know, all those ideas and thoughts and whatnot come together um, to be put on a plate. And it was a real, um, I guess, a true expression, without wanting to sound all tossery about it, but a true expression of, of where I'm at as a chef and and. What I'd always wanted to do, so you know, so lucky to to get into the to the old wasabi space and have have Danielle and the the, the team that were there um, help me do that. And look, you know, in in five short months, I think we created a a, a pretty amazing restaurant. You know, it was probably better than than my uh, my expectations, and um, you know, it certainly made some made some waves and some ripples that are still kind of tinkling on. I mean, it was it was eighteen months ago, nearly two years ago now. Um, you know, and and it's um, it it put me in a different headspace. Yeah. Well, take us back to the impact that it had on you. What what did it feel like, sort of having a license to almost do whatever you want, compared to sort of the roles that you had previous in your career? Yeah, it's funny because I've always had freedom. Even even working for other people, they've always I've always you know chosen the people that have given me the freedom to do what I want. But then once you once you're at the helm and you can actually make the decisions and and you know get the teapot you want and the glass that you want. And, well, those silly little things is exactly what I wanted. So, you know, to it was scary, you know, knowing that every decision was was on you, but then also so liberating at the same time. Um, and you know, we cooked we cooked some amazing food um, because there was no one holding anything back. You know, for me in my own head, it was like, no, well, let's just do that. I don't, I don't, I don't care. It's it's my restaurant. It's my it's my food. That's what we're doing. I don't have to worry about. Oh, are they going to like this? Are they not going to like that? You know, it's just like, well, you know what? If you don't like it, don't come. It was truly and and holy and solely like that. We're here for five months. I don't care. I'm doing what I want to do. I, I'm sort of like, you know, screw it. Let's do it. Kind of, you know what I mean? Like, like, let's give it a crack and see what happens. 
tell us a bit about the offering that was there. Did pork weave through the menu? Did, can you sort of? Is there any examples of of how you used it at Winston? Yeah, so I now, I now have a have a dish um, that everyone wants me to put on. And funnily enough, it was a small snack. So uh, we're making a, a smoked potato donut and wrapping it around pork riette and then dusting it with some freeze dried white vinegar. And it's just this mouthful of like like the best kind of you know corn dog Pluto pup kind of a thing that you ever have. Like it's, it's so delicious. They're a pain in the ass to make. It's funny how people always want the stuff that's a right pain to make. Um, but it's a, it's a thing um, and it needs to be a thing. Like my kids always ask me now, they're like, oh, you're making smoked potato donuts, you know. Um, and look, the menu changed every day pretty much. It changed on a whim. Um, one of the chefs from Winston's with me now at Mapleton Public House and, and he keeps telling stories about how I'd come in on a Sunday and go, you know, oh, we're doing a simple scallop dish. Um, and, you know, then I'd rattle off what I wanted him to do and he'd kind of look at me and go, you said it was simple, chef, kind of, you know what I mean? Um, or, you know, asking them to, to braise a piece of pork, you know, at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning for Sunday lunch and things like that. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It was so much fun, though, so much fun and, and really reinvigorated me um, after after a, a long time in the industry. You know, I, I think a lot of a lot of guys get to a certain point and kind of go, yeah, you know, I don't want to take it a little bit easy, but now I'm just I'm just hungry for more now and want to, want to continue on with, with the Winston kind of a thing. I just want to go back to that dish that you sound like you might be blessed or cursed to make for the next decade. Um, uh, Riette is something that was on the menus a lot um, and sort of disappeared. How do you make a great Riette as as part of that dish that you were talking about? So great, great Riette obviously starts with great pork. You know, it's it's a such a simple dish. Um, you need to start with amazing pork. Um, for me, mine Riette should be super simple. So I, I do Riette just with garlic, garlic, rosemary, heaps of cracked black pepper water that's it amazing pork um and the sum of its parts are, are just you know like i dice pork up just cover it with water throw in a whole lot of really good proper organic australian garlic not that shit that comes in a white sock um you know just it's just used as ballast right it's horrible stuff um fresh rosemary you know that, that's still sticky and sweet and smells delicious not not stuff that smells like medicine and it's all dried and all sort of stuff fresh cracked pepper out of a pepper grinder you know not stuff that comes in a packet already ground because it doesn't taste the same you know a good tap water or rain water shove it in the oven and cook it till it's cooked you know everyone goes goes oh how long do i cook my rillette for it's like well till it's soft right um and then funnily enough just recently i've just i've just found this well i was, I was down at the, at the public house and um, pre-opening and, and saw the guys making pulled pork down there and they used hand beaters of all things. I've always sworn with pork riette you had to use a whisk and hand hand um, emulsify the fat and the water liquid back into the riette. But they actually used hand beaters and I thought, oh, I'm going to give that a crack. And I tried it on the pork riette and I actually got more of the, the fatty juices back into the riette and it made it creamier and more delicious um, than, than what it's ever been. So I think you know, I've, I've changed up my riette game after after 30 odd years of making the stuff and it, it's even more delicious than ever. So that, yeah, you can teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just proving that. Stuff. <laughs> well, you, you briefly mentioned um, where you are now, which is Mableton Public House, which I want to get to in depth um, shortly. But um, Take us back to sort of through your career, and you had such a big influence with spices. And how did pork weave through the menus of the the various locations that that you helped um, thrive? Yeah, so pork pork's always been that ingredient that I've loved. Um, 
you know, uh, from 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 the get go, I started with with uh, you know, an Italian family as so I did my apprenticeship, and, and every year we'd make salamis, you know, and hang them in the tobacco kiln. Um, that was after growing the pig, so you'd go out and pick the fruit and vegetables, and you know, pat the pig, and then you know, autumn come around, and you'd be there when they shot the pig, so you'd have that respect for the, for the animal. You know, that's sort of what taught me um, respect for animals, and then. You know, there's there's amazing pork here in southeast Queensland. You know, Vaughan Schultz, um, Schultz's Farm Pork, does these amazing suckling pigs that were on a lot of the menus throughout Spices just because it's that bloody good that you just have to use it. You know, like when you eat good pork, you, you can't not have it on your menu, right? Like it's, it's sort of that simple. So um, it's one of those really versatile ingredients. So when we're talking as chefs throughout Spices, it always come up because everyone's got their own different way of, of, of using it. You know, there's such a such a versatile animal that, that we had to had to have it on the menus. When you um, worked with the, well, you worked with so many farmers. Do you have any stories of the connections that you made and, and time spent on a on a farm? What surprised you about those experiences? I, I guess how bloody hard it is. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it, it's. Um, I think as hospitality, we all look at ourselves and kind of go, yeah, we've got it hard. You know, it's a hard industry. And, and it is. It truly is a, a hard industry to be in. I think when you look at farmers and, and you kind of – you go out and visit these guys and, you know, they've been up since since Sparrow's Fart and, you know, they might have been out all night fixing a fence, you know, that's fallen down in a storm or, you know, a tree's fallen over or this or that. They've always got stuff on. They, they never have time off. They can't have time off because the animals need them. Um, all, the, all the, you know, the fruit and vegetables, whatever they're producing is, is you know, requiring their attention. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that's gotten me. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of stories, you know, I could tell you about people touching electric fences and all that sort of stuff, which is always sort of a, you know, pretty funny. But um, for me and mine, it's, it's, it's just about how hard our producers work to do what they do. And, and you know, I think that's really admirable. I, I think um, they're all a bit crazy. They're all a bit, you know, a bit nuts in the head. And I think they have to be to do what they do. But without them, we're, we're all stuffed, right? We have nothing to eat. We mentioned Mapleton Public House a bit earlier. Tell us how... Um, that came about. It's a, it's a, a bit of a. Well, I think it's a funny story. Um, in that, um, I was actually looking after after Winston. You know, what's next? I guess you know, had so much fun there and looking around for something something new and different to do. I was pretty inspired by it, and I was inspired by by Ben Sherry's uh, summer camp that he did out at uh, wherever it was, and just thought that was a really cool concept. You know, like let's do some really nice food somewhere nice. And the guys from Falls Farm I'd been dealing with from, you know, I was, I was probably about the second customer that they had um, through the long apron. And uh, I actually rang them and, and I, I got Ben, um, one of the owners down there and one of the instigators of the farm and, and sort of said, hey, look, I've, I've got all these ideas. I'd love to catch up and have a coffee and, you know, can we, can we talk it through and, you know, I'd like to see what you, what you kind of think. And he went, yep, cool, no worries. Your ears must have been burning because we're just talking about you. I kind of went, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of cool, you know, like, Let's catch up for a coffee. So we actually caught up down in Mapleton, um, little coffee shop there, and we, we, he said, "So what are you what are you thinking?" And and you know I got all excited about my ideas and sort of rattled off all these things, probably about over an hour of things we could do at the farm, and you know low key stuff, just with bits and pieces lying around, really into that sort of reuse, recycle. Let's make something something cool out of nothing. And um, he's like, yeah, that's, that all sounds really cool. And then he, he pointed across at the, the pub across the road, which is formerly called the Mableton Tavern, and said, what about that? I went, well, what do you mean? He's gone, well, we've just put an offer in. I was like, oh, you, you bastard. Like, you've let me sit here for an hour talking about all this other stuff and you've got your hands on that. Like, So it's it's been there 112 years. Um, 
you know, it's been in the same hands now for, for 30 years. These guys are the, the next next owners. Um, it's kind of iconic for the range as a as a as a place, but kind of no one goes there um, or went there. Um, one of those very much a country boozer kind of a pub, um, and I can't believe that they were lucky enough to get their hands on it. To be honest, um, and as soon as he pointed to it, it was just like oh, like. I don't know, you know, the clouds parted and sun rays came through and little angels and shit come out. Um, it was just perfect, um, exactly what, what I've been looking for. Um, and to work with with the farm, with Falls Farm, um, is kind of like every Queensland chef's wet dream, for want of a better way of putting it. Um, you know, it's um, it's just such a such a cool opportunity. I mean, it's a big project and it's going to take us years. But, um, yeah, you know, Ben let me bang on about all this stuff that I was thinking about and then just totally changed my world by, you know, a simple point across the road at the big pink building that was sitting across the road. It was, um, it was fantastic. Well, tell us about sort of the differences with this sort of arrangement and connection uh, in business. Um, you know, you've dealt with amazing producers sort of all your career, but this is a very different setup. How, how is it different? Yeah, so we're we're taking um, probably ninety oh, percent, I guess, of of our fruit and vegetables from the farm um, at the moment. Um, you know, we're still um, so we've been in Melbourne Public House now two months, you know, about eight weeks, nine weeks. Um, can't remember; they're all blending into one. Um, you know, very much the home of of the of the chicken parmi and the seafood platter straight out of Indonesia. Um, you know, all about fresh and local. Um, and and we're we're trying to change that at the moment and and bring in a lot more from the farm. So I guess it's, it's it'll be that connection, that broader connection with the guys at the farm um, and and you know working with them. Um, there's just. <laughs> I guess the connection at the moment, we're still trying to um, develop that. You know, it's like I said, it's going to be a work in progress. There's so much we want to achieve. Um, it's I'm looking at it as a five or ten year project. You know what I mean? Like, like this is my my new spices. Like I was with spices for twelve years. I'm, I'm, this is what this is going to be like. So, you know, um, that's a really hard question to answer. In the fact that we can achieve whatever we want to achieve, and there's no there's no boundaries or limits to to the business or to what we can achieve. So, to actually answer your questions is really hard. Um, you know, I was down there this morning just walking around. Um, you know, eating the ruby mizuno because it's my favourite product from down there at the moment. Um, to have that, like, amazing, right? Like, like, yeah. Are you having conversations of of what to plant from you know that chef perspective of what you want to use in the years to come? Well, this is a thing too. It's it's about a learning curve for me. So learning all these new things. You know, what can we plant? The farm's three kilometres from our back door. What can we plant? What can't we plant? You know, what's what's going to be in, in summer? What's going to be in, in spring? Um, so at the moment, our our kind of agreement with the with the um, with Christine, who runs the farm, um, and it's kind of keep growing what you've been growing because it's been fantastic and then we'll work out what we want to use out of that and then we'll ask other things as we kind of go. Um, the the palette of the farm is, is quite broad and, and, and varying, so, you know, there's nothing that we're really going to want for. Um, it's just learning those things that we, we need to go without, I guess, um, which is exciting in its, in its, um, in its own self anyway. I, I kind of believe in... Being in a bit of a vacuum makes you more creative. Um, 
So things like celeriac, which for me, the celeriac is the pork of the vegetable world. You now it's just such an amazing vegetable. It's kind of, you know, it's almost got crackling. Um, it, it's just a fantastic veg. We can't grow those at the farm, so we can't use them. It's kind of one of those things that we we can't use. They're cold set vegetables. We don't really get cold enough, so we can't use any of those. Um, don't ask me what cold set vegetables are yet because I'm still learning that myself. You know, so there's just you can probably hear the excitement in my voice. There's just this whole new world of I, I thought I cooked seasonally, um, you know, and, and did it quite well because I don't believe in you know four seasons. There's there's you know seasons for every little thing, and you need to chop and change with availability, right? And I think I've done that fairly well in the past, but I'm coming to realise that I haven't done it at all yet. Um, you know, there's so much more to it, especially with rain events and you know all the weather events we've just we've, we've just recently had, and and then and then you know all those things that affect farmers will now affect us. So if I ask for ten lettuces, I might not get ten lettuces. I might get six, or I might get ten lettuces that are a little bit you know stunted and small because I haven't quite you know, headed out yet and things like that. So it's, it's just all this totally different ball game, totally different world. Um, super exciting. <laughs> You, you mentioned that it's a slow evolution um, with the menu as you connect with the community and, and grow the venue. Um, what, give us a sense of the of some of the dishes on the menu at the moment. You, you mentioned the pulled pork. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? So pulled pork's not, not, not actually on the menu per se at the moment. Um, we're about to change the menu. So when we went in, it was kind of that, that – um, I don't want to. I don't want to be derogatory for what they're doing because it was it was quite good for for the people that were, were going there. But it was very much that uh, laminated menu that you could have picked up from this pub and gone to any other pub, you know, in, in regional Queensland and gone. Yeah, I'll have the chicken parmigiana or the you know salt and pepper calamari, all of this, all of that. We stripped all that out. Um, we now use local calamari on rocket from the farm with homemade tartare sauce, nice and simple. Um, you know, a free range chicken schnitzel, not a palmy. Um, shock horror, no palmy. Um, people hate me for that. Um, so we've gone through a transition period over the last couple of weeks, and, and you know, there's been, you know, some people are pretty pissed off at us because we've taken the taken the lamb roast off, you know, and, and things like that. Like there's been a lot of um, disgruntled people, which we understand, and we're kind of a little bit sorry about, but you know, not some, but not at the same time. We're, we're going to do what, what we want to do and what we believe in. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're, we're changing it up, and we're going to be. Um, Doing some pretty nice stuff, I think, for a, for a little country pub. Um, you know, talking pork. There's a there's a braised pork dish that I've done for quite a while, where we kind of take the flavours of porchetta, so fennel and black pepper, and all those lovely, you know, um, lots of garlic, and we braise uh, probably pork shoulder, I think, um, rather than you know the ubiquitous belly. Braise the shoulder in there until it's you know that fall apart, beautiful gelatinous deliciousness. Um, let it cool in the sauce. We'll break it up. We roll it in some tapioca flour and fry it, and then glaze it back in the sauce. Um, that will then go with some soured onions, so like white onions cooked in in yogurt way, trying to be as much zero waste as we possibly can, because that'll ultimately be the goal to be a zero waste restaurant. Cook cook the onions in some yogurt way, so they just lose that rawness, but they'll still be nice and crunchy and, and sweet. Um, there's pineapples grow about two kilometres down the hill from here. It's on on the Hunchy, um, which we'll barbecue on our big smoker and do a, a version of you know braised pork and pineapple, kind of classic 1980s Chinese pub food, right? Um, maybe some puff wild rice or something restauranty over the top. And then we're also fermenting the skins into like a, a 
pineapple skin that will go to like black garlic and we're going to dehydrate and dust it over the top as this family kind of a flavor. So, you know, dishes like that, that it's basically a, a 1980s pub Chinese classic, braised pork and pineapple with your, you know, your, your fire engine or whatever you had when you were a kid. That's what I had. Um, you know, and trying to change those things up um, to see, I guess, how we go, see if I get beaten up or not. Um by the people that want their steak sandwich back. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> when we last caught up, you talked about um, creating more sustainable kitchens and a, and a safer space for, for employees as well in kitchens sort of moving forward. How different are your kitchens, you know, with Winston and Mableton Public House compared to the ones that you cut your teeth in? Yeah, so we've just uh, – we're actually closed um, today um, on Tuesday. We're normally seven days a week, lunch and dinner, but um, we've made the decision to, to close on a Tuesday because we, we, we're, like everybody, a bit short-staffed in the kitchen at the moment. Um, so to make sure everyone gets their two days off, we, we, we've taken the decision to, to close a day. Um, we, we've Look, do we get it right? We, we don't. I'm, I'm very aware of trying to make that change, and I think that's the most important part. Um, I send my my guys out if they if they've got two minutes before service. I think even two minutes is important to go outside, stand in the sun, take a big deep breath. You know, we do a lot of those small. No, they seem a little bit silly when you talk about them, but I think they make a big difference. I think the best part about um, about where we are at the moment is you know um, everybody's on the same page and every, everybody's working towards that as well. Um, and, you know, I think it's just about being aware. So to create a, a more sustainable kitchen for ourselves, um, it's about being more aware about trying to do that. Um, and that'll be, a, that'll be a process as well. But we're certainly inspired by the, the kitchens to get that right and, and seem to do a really good job around that. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of chefs seem to think that when I talk about a sustainable kitchen and making it better for ourselves, they, they think it, I think a lot of them think it means, you know, not working hard and, not pushing on, mate. You know, you got to push on, mate. It's about being better and doing that. You know, um, you know, talking about sustainability. The last two months, I've hardly taken a day off because you know, new business and you're, and you're pushing, pushing, push. And got to a couple of weeks ago, and and I couldn't come up with a new dish. I just couldn't be creative. It was just at that point. It was almost like writer's block. It's like, what are we going to put on the menu? Um, I took um, a day off last week, or two days off last week. And uh, wrote a whole new menu, and, and I'm now like, oh, we, we've got to put this on, and we've got to put that on, and you know, it, it kicks off in your head and, and really makes a difference. So, you know, those things um, are really prevalent within within the kitchen at the moment. And um, you know, we're not getting it right yet, but we will maybe in you know 2027 20, or something we can have a chat. and I'll tell you what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> Over your career, you've made an incredible impact and and won many accolades as well. Is, is there any sort of um, pork cuts that have been your favourite in restaurants over the years and can you tell us the best way that you cook them? Look, I, I, I love pork. I think most chefs do. Um, whole pigs. I, I just love doing a whole pig. Um, you know, we used to get Schultz's pork at the Long Apron and we'd, we'd bone out the whole pig, um, cut it in the quarters, fold it over on itself so you get a little bit of shoulder and a little bit of belly together, um, pack it full, cook it really low and slow overnight and then just portion that up. Um for me in mine, that was one of the nicest ways of doing it. We didn't worry about crispy skin, and I know it's probably a bit contentious on a, on a podcast called The Crackling, but I, I think there's a there's a big thing about gelatinous skin that can be really good too. Um, 
you know, I don't think I don't think gelatinous skin podcast probably sounds the same. But anyway, um, you know, it's um sometimes you know everyone gets carried away about the about the crispy skin, but sometimes about that delicious you know, fatty pork underneath. So um, one of the dishes that, that really stands out for me, though, over the years was, was exactly that. It's uh, one of the Shilton's Farm pigs. So they're only about under 20 kilos, you know, that really nice kind of size, not suckling but not not um, not any bigger. Um, and we'd fold it in half and just take nice slices of this beautiful, really milky white, um, you know, teenage pig. And um, we actually made a, a, a sauce out of um, – an aged uh, goat's cheese that tasted um, very barnyardy, um, so we turned that into like a like a milky white sauce. Serve it with, with sour onions. I'll have crispy white onions with with pork. I think they go really well together. And then um, some different kales. You know, much aligned uh, vegetable. Most people hate them, but hate them. But um, we do like sautéed kale with uh, like fennel and coriander seed, some green coriander seeds through there. And then uh, a little bit of uh, really roasted kind of kale oil, not not a clean punty kind of oil, but a really grungy kale oil. And then when you ate the dish, it, it tasted really. Um, I use the term barnyardy, and I mean that in a nice way. Um, you know, it tasted of hay and milk, and and it was really different for a pork dish. Um, and it was just just delicious. And I, I like that dish because it shows how how versatile pork is. You know, it's not just about you know, roasting a belly or, or you know, um, just a roasted crispy skin. Um, you know, having said that, we, we do porchetta on weekends at, at, at the public house and, and, you know, it walks out, beautiful rolled belly um, and gets cooked with a bit of liquor smoke on it. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, look, pork neck, pork jowls, um, pig's ears, tails, you know, tet the pork, terrine, rillette, pate, livers, oh, <laughs> you know, but it's all good, right? Um, you mentioned uh, you've been in the industry for around 30 years a bit earlier. Has this new approach, though, that you've had in this sort of new new direction, um, has it given you a new perspective on a career in hospitality? Yeah, I really think it has. I, th- I think what we need to do now is, um, I guess, looking at, at you know, guys um, – around my age that are, that are still, you know, on the pans and still keen to, to be in the kitchen and, you know, try and keep up with the young fellas is to um, to realise that it's changed. And, and there's no there's no changes that you can specifically point at. Um, every kitchen's going to be different now. Every, every um, you know, we all bitch and moan about young people these days, but um, they're all just different, right? So we need, we need a change. We're the dinosaurs. You know, if we don't, we don't change, um, and create something different for them to come into. Well, then they just won't. And, and I think that's probably half the problem, you know, with the with the shortages that we have is that we've created this, you know, military style um, chain of command and whatnot in, in old school kitchens that no one wants to come into anymore. So, I think that um, from a pers- uh, perspective point of view has has certainly made me change my ways. I find sometimes. I talk to people like I used to, and and I kind of go, "Well, hang on a minute, that's that's wrong, big boy. You can't do that. You know, like you need to." Uh, you need to change the way you, you present um, your ideas, change the way you, uh, you present yourself. Um, you know, change the way you do everything, um, even even the food. Right? There's there's different ways and means of achieving a product that's still um, of a certain quality. Um, that back in the old days we probably wouldn't even consider because you know we had ten people there to to do everything. Um, you know, it's about making change, and 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 that's. 
Um, as, about, about as much as I can say, really, because I, I don't know what that actually means, but it's, it's looking at everything and, and, and making those differences. Well, uh, the changes that you're making in your own career is, is quite exciting for all the, the diners out there with the experiences that you're creating. What, what, are you, what are you sort of looking forward to over the next couple of years? Um, that's, that's a really good question. Um, days off. Um, <laughs> creating something, I think, you know, with, with what I've done in the past, there's, there's now these young guys, um, they're not even that young anymore, I'm out doing some amazing things. And, you know, you've spoken to a couple of them um, through different podcasts and whatnot. Um, I love that, that fact that they're out there now doing some really cool stuff and doing some amazing things themselves. Um, so for me, the next couple of years is, is hopefully um, – Trying to make some pretty significant change to the industry through through mentoring some young people who will go on and hopefully you know um, build on that change that we can make. Um, you know that's that's probably the most exciting thing, other than you know cooking amazing food, um, taking you know a simple little country pub and and trying to elevate it in in our own unique way. Um, not even elevate, just just make it you know ours and and put our spin on it. Do what we want to do. Um, you know, working with the farm, learning learning about you know the farming process and you know true seasonality and, and what we can do there. Um, working towards you know zero waste, which is which is um, as I sort of mentioned before, you know zero waste is kind of like working in a vacuum. You have that that, that product left over, and what can you make with it? You know, a lot of people think zero waste is about you know having no waste, but it's not. It's about using your waste to create another product. Um, so many different ways of being able to do that. Um, you know, I guess it's watching the people that come through the kitchen over the next couple of years and seeing where, where they end up because it'll be different to anything else that I've done before in the past. Um, yeah, everything's exciting at the moment. I'm just – I feel so lucky. I feel like I've, I've, I've managed to snag one of those uh, opportunities that's sort of once in a lifetime again. I, I think I did it. I feel like I did it at the start of the long apron. I, I could see – with what we did at the Long Apron and, and through Spices, um, could see what it could be and, and was, was, you know, able and allowed to uh, to build that kind of the way that I, I felt that it should. And this is that sort of other opportunity, but in a, in a little bit more of a, I guess, holistic way for one of a, a really bad word. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cameron, as always, it's an absolute honour to catch up with you. You've always got a yarn to tell. Um, I've loved having you on The Crackling today to hear your story. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Thanks for having us. It's uh, been, uh, been lovely yet again. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.